0: This is Karine Freed with Organizational Consulting Services and today we are going to talk about disorganization and hoarding issues. It is a really intense topic so I hope you're ready. There are a lot of factors associated with disorganization. They can be neurologically based Things such as traumatic brain injury, chronic fatigue, attention deficit. There's all types of conditions that affect disorganization. There are systemic factors involved in disorganization. Having no systems in place or ineffective systems, such as one that is overly complex or too difficult to implement. There are mental health issues, depression, anxiety, avoidance, disorder, obsessive compulsive, and hoarding disorder. Beliefs and attitudes come into play. Your belief that you're a procrastinator and that's just the way you are, or your fear of making mistakes. Physical challenges come into play. Perfectionism. Most people find this rather amusing to think that someone that's a perfectionist can be disorganized or have issues with hoarding. That is the case, however. There's attachment to possessions, being overly attached to an item for sentimental reasons, instrumental reasons, or intrinsic reasons. There's the ineffective beliefs about the possessions. Unrealistic valuing of objects, associating possessions with one's identity, and the sense of obligation to take care of something. There's information processing deficits, such as the decision-making difficulty, distractibility, memory deficits, and categorization of difficulties. There's emotional behavioral patterns, procrastination and avoidance, and acquiring or saving objects as a result of emotional reactions. So, when we come to hoarding, there is a definite definition. It is now on the DSM 5, that's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that are used by the medical mental health care community. So hoarding is a persistent difficulty discarding or parting with possessions, regardless of their actual value. The difficulty is due to a perceived need to save the items and the distress associated with discarding them. The difficulty discarding the possessions results in the accumulation of the possessions that congest and clutter active living areas and substantially compromise their intended use. If the living areas are uncluttered, it's only because of the interventions of third parties. Hoarding causes clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning, including maintaining a safe environment for self and others. The hoarding is not attributable to another medical condition. And the hoarding symptoms are not better accounted for by the symptoms of another DSM-5 disorder, such as obsessive compulsive disorder, major depressive disorder, schizophrenia, another psychotic disorder, or cognitive deficits. There's excessive acquisition There are also three specifiers having good or fair insight, which means the individual recognizes that hoarding-related beliefs and behaviors pertaining to the difficulty discarding the item's clutter or excessive acquisitions are problematic. With poor insight, the individual is mostly convinced that the hoarding-related beliefs and behaviors are not problematic despite evidence to the contrary, and with absent insight, it is the individual is completely convinced that hoarding related behaviors are not problematic despite evidence to the contrary. So hoarding is complex. In hoarding, It affects not only the person that has issues with hoarding, but also the family. And that is a really, really big issue. A lot of people think that hoarding is the same thing as OCD. It's not. Some of the differences between OCD and hoarding are that in OCD, thoughts are intrusive and repetitive, There's a compulsion to perform a ritual to gain control. There's anxiety and stress accompanying OCD, OCD symptoms go through peaks and valleys, and the OCD patients are more insightful about the OCD symptoms. In hoarding, the thoughts are a part of the person's everyday normal stream of thought. Thoughts are not repetitive and they're not distressing or unpleasant, and there's no urge to get rid of the clutter. There is no urge to perform a ritual to control the thoughts. The distress is brought on by the prospect of having to discard possessions. And the hoarders experience positive emotions when they acquire objects. Grief is felt when an attempt is made to discard objects. And hoarders possess less insight about their problems than do OCD patients. Four key words that are found when talking about hoarders are indecisiveness, perfectionism, procrastination, and avoidance. So, a number of things about people that hoard. They believe that all things they acquire are beautiful or have a useful purpose. They experience major anxiety and resistance and when would face the need to discard the items. And family members are generally not effective at eliminating the behavior. The most common reactions of family members are embarrassment or disgust. People who hoard can be helped to manage the hoarding behavior, but total elimination of the problem is probably unlikely. They experience life pain and anxiety in clearing out their stuff, which feels worse than any gain that could result from human relationships. They often feel safer with things than with people. They often have disorganized thinking and have trouble focusing and staying on task. So what doesn't work? Trying to intervene alone, expecting that a one-time clean-out will solve the problem. Being dramatic, distracted, criticizing, or nagging. Surprise cleanouts, exaggerating the consequences, treating only the symptoms, and not having goals or plan of action. Cleanouts are not the answer. So, what are the effects of hoarding and cluttering on individuals and their families? Hording can cause them to feel isolated. They can't invite friends over. They no longer let people socialize in their homes, so they go out to socialize. People don't come over, so it causes a lot of anxiety. Hording leads to concerns for safety in their homes. You can trip over piles on the floor. Appliances don't work, and you don't have the appliance repair people come into your home to repair them because you're embarrassed. You worry about safety: falling, slipping, bags, paper, having things come tumbling down on top of you. There's a fear of eviction if the landlord happens to come in and seize the hoard. You possibly be evicted. Causes problems with family relationships. You have family members that will not come over to visit you, grandparents, that cannot see their grandkids because their children won't allow them to come over to visit because of the hoarded conditions. There's a financial cost. A lot of people have storage units, not one or two, but four or five or six, so that's a lot of money. There's a community cost. Effective treatment programs for individuals with hoarding behaviors are often seen as costly to implement. The cost of doing nothing, however, is also high. The financial cost to individuals and communities include the medical cost for falls, respiratory problems and other health issues re- resulting from hoarding behaviors, damage to property, pest infestation, the cost of hiring cleaners and organizers to come in to prevent the infections. People with hoarding behaviors may use a number of services such as behavioral health services, medical health services, social service agencies such as mental health, case management, adult protective services. Other public agencies that might be involved would be environmental health, public health, the housing authority, police and fire department, and animal control. The failure to address compulsive hoarding In an effective, coordinated way, can result in high cost crisis interventions that do not address the root cause of the problem and can ultimately fail to prevent eviction or other loss of housing. There are a number of different things that can help people that have issues with hoarding. Some of them are. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT, that is a type of therapy that helps individuals to examine the way they think and behave and to change the thought process or behaviors that may be problematic. Specific CBT elements involved in hoarding disorder treatment can include restricting, acquiring, practicing sorting, and discarding and cognitive restructuring to challenge thoughts and beliefs about attachments to items. There's motivational interviewing. MI is a technique that seeks to increase the individual's motivation to make positive change in their behavior. MI increases motivation by helping the individual connect their values and goals with their behaviors and brainstorming ways to change behaviors that are not in line with their values and goals. There is skills training, working with a professional organizer who has advanced hoarding training, focusing on helping people learn how to organize their belongings in their home, how to problem solve methods to address common problems that arise in working on their clutter, and how to make decisions about keeping needed items and removing unwanted objects that contribute to clutter. Medication for hoarding disorder works to change an individual's brain chemistry and activity. They can enable the individual to be more able to engage in the treatment process, whether by improving their mood or by reducing their severe anxiety. The medication is not for the hoarding behavior itself, but for the anxiety, or mood disorder, or depression, or bipolar, or any of the other comorbid things that are involved with hoarding disorder. Something else that has been just to be really effective is the Buried in Treasures work group. It is a 16-week work group that is based on the book by the same name which was written by Drs. Tolan, Frost, and Steffati. We now use this work group on Zoom, and we have people from all over the United States as well as, as internationally. We have people from London and Australia, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Toronto, British Columbia, and all over the world. That have taken the Buried in Treasures class. It is a 16 week class. The class involves education, motivation, interviewing, recognition of the problems, acceptance of the treatment plan, homework compliance, and continued attendance. We learn about organization, category reduction categories and locations of saved items, categories for unwanted items such as trash, recycle, sell, or donate. There's the decision-making, learning to decide where, how, and when they will use an item. There's exposure to non-acquiring and discarding, identifying patterns of acquisitions. There's a cognitive restructuring of beliefs about acquiring and discarding, Looking at advantages and disadvantages of the acquiring and discarding. Looking at need versus want. There's behavioral experiments. Non-acquisition exposures. Using cognitive strategies for discarding. Planning the appropriate use of cleared space and the plan to prevent new clutter. It's a great program, Ed. I've been running virtually for the past five years. If you'd like more information about the Rarity Treasures Group or how a professional organizer that has advanced boarding experience can help you or your family, please email us at kefconsulting at gmail.com. It's K as in kite, E as in Edward, F as in Frank, C-O-N-S-U-L T-I-N-G at gmail.com Thank you for listening to An Uncluttered Life. If you have any questions or any organizational topics you would be interested in hearing about in future podcasts please send us an email. Goodbye for now.